Shalom Aleichem, Shavuot Tov to all of you, great listeners of this station, a station that only beams Divrei Torah, Divrei Musa, Divrei Orerut, and religious music. This is Rabbi Albas from SLC. I'm going to say a couple of words about uh, Yom Yerushalayim. <clears throat> well, this coming Wednesday is Yom Yerushalayim, the day when Yerushalayim was recaptured from the Arabs and liberated. Most communities consider it a minor holiday and do not recite Tahanun. They say Yehishem. Is there any halachic backing uh, for not saying Tahanun during this minor holiday? Uh, is there anywhere we can find in a Gemara or somewhere that perhaps might uh, just give us an implication that we don't have to say the uh, Tahanun. And uh, by the way, this is not a Psak Halakha. Uh, if you want a ruling on this matter, please consult your own rabbi. This is just a Dvar Torah with regard to Yom Yerushalayim. Now, let me first give you a, a, a short history about Jerusalem. For those of you who are not aware of it, in 1947, the United Nations came up with a partition plan. And that was to have the uh, the Palestine divided where half of it would go to the Jews and half to the Arabs. Now, the Jews accepted it. The Arabs did not accept it. And by the way, part of that plan, and this a lot of people do not, do, do not know that, <clears throat> is that the... Uh, Yerushalayim was supposed to be an international city for 10 years. And at the end of 10 years, there would be a referendum. And whoever, the residents will vote. And whatever they want, whether if they want to be on the Israel side or whether they would be on the Arab side, that's what it will be. But the Arabs did not accept that plan. So in 1948, right after the Declaration of Independence, the Arabs invaded. And Jordan took over East Jerusalem and the Old City. And as it came out, this the Jerusalem was divided and there was barbed wires and so on. And the the uh, uh, the Kotel was under Jordanian control, and no Jew could possibly go over there. Uh if he if he would uh, any Jew that uh, would trespass and uh, start going in there, he risks to be shot at. So it was impossible to go to visit the wall. All that changed in 1967. At that point, when Imam Shimon Gamal he convinced uh, Syria and he convinced Jordan also to uh, to be with him and attack Israel. Uh, Israel made sure to give the message to the king of Jordan that they would not fight, they would not uh, throw any uh, any bombs or anything like that. They would not attack Jordan if they stayed away from the war. But Jordan did not agree. And because Jordan also participated in the war, Israel recaptured the uh, 
East Jerusalem as well as uh, the Kotel. And the Kotel was liberated. And at that point, the Jews were able to go and visit the Western world, the Kotel Amaravi, which is the part which was part of the Beit HaMikdash. Now, this is just a story to show that the Yerushalayim was liberated, and because of that liberation, the Jews were able to go and visit the Kotel Amaravi. It seems that on Lagba Omer, we do not say Tahanun either. And what's the reason why we do not say Tahanun? Well, according to the, uh, you know, one major reason is because of the fact that the 24,000 Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva ceased to die. They were dying before that. That they stopped. So which means the fact that they stopped dying, that is reason to, uh, uh, to, to, to be a, call it a minor holiday. It was reported from the Vilna Gaon of Shalom that there is some kind of connection between that and what the Gemara says in Masechet Ta'anit, uh, page 26. Over there, it talks about Tubeab. Tubeab was a holiday. And the Gemara says, why is Tubeab such a, you know, a happy day? And he brings six different reasons. One of the reasons that they bring is Kalu Mete Midbar. What does that mean? You know that in Parashat Shilach Lecha, when the Meraglim, the scouts, went to visit Eres Israel, they came back with a bad report. And they somehow incited the people and everyone was crying. How can we go to that land? And they spoke Lashon about the land of Israel. Then Akadosh Baruch decreed that all those people above 20 would die in the desert. So we're talking about 600,000 and 40 years of approximately 15,000 every year would be dying. Oh yeah, they, uh, would, they would die on Tisha B'Av. The last 15,000 were supposed to die on Tisha B'Av. But they didn't because it was already past the 600,000. So they waited. They waited. They said, oh, maybe it's not really Tisha B'Av. Maybe uh, we didn't count properly. But when it came to B'Av, and they saw the full moon already, oh, they realized, okay, that's it. No more deaths. The, the, the deaths of the people, the Jews in the desert, stopped. And because that stopped, Tubeab is a minor holiday. So therefore, we can make a connection just like by Tubeab. And they stopped dying. So we could say, whenever there is a, a large amount of people, of Jews, that were dying and ceased to die, especially great Talmidim, like the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva, no, that's why Lagba Omer would be a minor holiday, and we don't recite the Hanun. If so, then we can have another similar connection 
from that same Gemara to Yom Yerushalayim. That same Gemara that gives six reasons, one of the reasons like mentioned the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the Jews in the Midbar stopped dying, but there's another reason that they say over there. And that is because Hoshea ben Ela, Hoshea ben Ela was king of Israel. And during his time, he stopped, he removed the guards that were stopping the Jews from going from the north to the south to visit the temple, the Beit HaMikdash. Now, let me, let me explain what, what that means. As you know, after Shilomo HaMelech passed away, his son Rehavam took over. But his son Rehavam uh, was a little tough on the Jews. What happened was the Bnei Israel came to him and said, Look, your father was very tough on us and he gave us the taxes, big burden on the taxes. Perhaps you can relieve us, make it even a little bit lower. So he went, he went and asked the elders, the Zekenim. And they told him, listen to them. You want them to serve you all your life. Relieve them. Give them some relief from the taxes. Then he went and asked the young people that he grew up with. And they said to him, no. They tell them you're going to be even tougher than your dad. Tell them that if Shalom HaMelech, your father, was this tough, I'm going to be even tougher. What happened? That caused a rebellion. And they had their own king, Yerovam. Although Yerovam was also anointed by, a point, you know, there was a Navi, from Hashem. At that time, Yerovam was okay. And they, they had their own, uh, their own uh, uh, land with uh, ten Shevatim, ten tribes. Only two tribes, Yehuda and Binyamin, stayed with Rehavam. But now Yerovam was scared. If he would let the Jews go down south to the Beit HaMikdash three times a year, they're going to see King Rehavam. They're going to recognize him as the real king. They'll come back. They're going to rebel against him. So because of that fear, he put guards. No one can cross from the north to the south. And what did he do? He did even worse than that. He built his own house of, of, uh, uh, of sacrifice, you know. And he put in uh, a, a golden calf. Actually, two of them. One in Bethel, one in Dan. And he said, you know, he encouraged the people, why do you have to go down so way down here, right here? You come in, they do sacrifices to the Egel, no problem. It was a Rasha. So because he did not listen to the elders, I mean, Rechavam did not to the elders, there was a division. And only... They did 10 tribes, which eventually uh, were, were uh, conquered by the, the Assyrians and thrown out of their lands, and they disappeared altogether. That's, that's what happened. But Hoshea ben Elah, who was a couple of centuries later, 
he removed those gods. And the Gemara says because he removed the gods and he let the people go down south and visit the temple, that's cause enough, the Gemara says, for being a minor holiday and therefore uh, not saying the Tahanun instead, as we call it by the Sephardic uh, synagogue, we say Hishem. So, the, the, it, see, therefore, being that in Yom Yerushalayim was a similar situation, a similar situation in the sense that we were not allowed to go to visit the Western Wall, the Kotel Mai, we were not allowed to. And now, after Yom Yerushalayim, he was liberated, we were able to go. So it's a kind of a similar situation where they had now the ability the possibility to go and visit the Western world, the Kotel Maravi. So perhaps, again, there is some kind of a uh, similarity uh, between the uh, what it, uh, Hoshea, what Hoshea ben Ela did and what happened during Yom Rishalayim. As I said at the very beginning, I'm not giving a psak, I'm just giving a Dvar Torah. And if you want really to know exactly what you should do, you have to ask your own rabbi. But there is here a great lesson that we can learn and that is Imunat Hachamim, following the Masoret. Imunat Hachamim means that we learn from them. Meaning, whatever they learned from their rabbis and the rabbis from their rabbis all the way up to Moshe Rabbeinu, that Masoret has to keep on going. Here, Yerovam, Arasha, he did not follow the Masoret. The Torah says that once you have the Beit HaMikdash, once you have a Beit HaMikdash, you cannot have anything, any other place to bring the sacrifices. Only the Beit HaMikdash. And the Beit HaMikdash was there. It was built by Shlomo Melech. And this is much later. Instead, he had his own places. He did not follow the Masoret. And not only that, even worse than that, he put Egel. He put a golden calf over there. And it encouraged the people, come. Why do you have to go down south? Come over here. It's right here. Emunat hachamim. The Masoret is an extremely important item in the Jewish religion. We have, as we start even Pirkei Avot, the first thing they say, Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai. Moshe Rabbeinu received Torah from Sinai. Unsara. Yoshua. It doesn't say untana Yoshua, it's umsara, mesira. Mesira means that you give over exactly what you know and nothing else. You don't add anything, you don't subtract anything, you're not supposed to. We're not allowed to, we're prohibited by the Torah. Lutosifu ala davara, don't add, we lotigre, and don't subtract either. It's like Lehavdil. You get a heirloom, you get a, a, a gem of a necklace, let's say, from your great-great-grandfather was passed down to you. When you give it over, you give it over exactly as is. You don't touch it. This It's a heirloom. You can't touch that. See, the, the Torah is complete. You cannot add to it. You cannot subtract from it. It's like, it's like, let's say, 
the body, for example, the human being. You can't subtract or add. You have five fingers. Would you like to go around with six fingers? It looks ugly. Or four fingers? No good either. It's complete. It's, it's all there. And everything is intertwined one with the other. All the mitzvot that we have in the Torah, you see 113 mitzvot, they're there. That's it. Even if a Navi comes, if a Navi comes, and he gives you a mofet, he gives you some kind of a miracle, whatever, and he says, Hashem told me, Hashem told me that this particular mitzvah should be eliminated or another mitzvah should be added, we don't believe him. Because once the Torah was given in Sinat Moshe Rabbeinu, that's it. He said, cannot, ah, takanot hachamim, that's, that's different. Takanot hachamim is not an addition to the Torah. It's a takana from the hachamim. That's different. We have a mitzvah of Hanukkah. We have a mitzvah of Purim. But we don't say that the mitzvah of Hanukkah or the mitzvah of is from the Torah. We don't say that. We say this, is what Rabbi instituted it. And the Torah says, Lutasur. Whatever they tell you, you should follow. That's, that's something else. But to say that Hashem told me when Vu'ah that I'm supposed to add this to the, that we cannot do. Asur. Prohibited. We don't believe him. Rabotai, I'll tell you the truth is, besides the fact that we cannot break the Masoret, really there's no other way to understand the Torah unless we follow our Hachamim. It's the only way. The Torah tells us, I'll give you an example. Sit in the Sukkah for seven days. What is a Sukkah? Doesn't it? The Torah doesn't tell us what it is. It doesn't tell you how big it is. Or what kind of materials you should use for the walls, for example. Or for the skach, especially. It doesn't say anything about that. All it says, you should sit in a sukkah for seven days. And the same thing with Shabbat. The same thing with uh, tefillin or, or whatever. We have to rely on the Masoret from the Hachamim. That is the only way that we can continue to practice our religion properly. And may Azat Hashem, if we really follow our Hachamim, follow our Torah and our Misvod, we definitely were confident that Kadosh Baruch Hu will send us our Mashiach Sitkenu Amen. Please, Rabotai, make sure that if you can afford to help this, uh, this station here, it's very, very important. They live on your contributions. We have to keep it going. And if you have any simha coming, why don't you get in touch with SLC? We have a beautiful uh, renovated hall that we can, I'm sure we can accommodate any of your simha. Shavuatov.